should you decide to accept it. Yet another, somehow we're still going, the viewer mentioned pod. That's right, we're never going to stop. There's a lot of music out there, and we have less time than there is music. So we're never going to catch up. Um, We're on 43 episodes, by the way, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. Pretty Pretty amazing. Notice the quality hasn't changed much at all. We have not gotten a bit better at this. (laughs) (laughs) I think we've gotten better from, like, the first couple. I'm kidding. Yeah. The first couple. I agree. It didn't take us long to get comfortable talking to each other and recording it. Yeah. And then I, I attribute that to just like consistency, whether it's good. Yeah. You know, that's, so that's subjective. Cerveza helps too. I, I'm working on the cocktail from last weekend's. From uh, James's birthday, by, which by the way, you got completely and totally robbed, if I'm being honest. I mean, whatever. So I made a smoky Manhattan. It was Aubrey's idea, and we used apricot wood to smoke it off of mm. our apricot tree, and it turned out Thanks. really good. Yes, yeah, so uh, it was excellent, and then, and no disrespect to whoever made it, but then a drink that tasted like a Jolly Rancher one. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. It, it was, was definitely it, a, it was very it was sweet. a fruity drink. It, it was, was a fruity drink. It's not even fruity. It was very sweet. And then, and, then, yeah. and then I realized, like, we're at a birthday party for someone that just turned 30. Oh, yeah. Well, as I explained to him, I wasn't human until I was, like, 31. And his <laughs> response was, great, I've got another year. Yeah. We love James. Yeah, happy yeah, birthday, yeah. No, happy birthday. Uh, so, yeah, this week we are covering Meat Puppets 1984 SST release, Meat Puppets 2. Probably made... Made somewhat famous from Nirvana's Unplugged in New York recording, where they covered three tracks, Plateau, Lake of Fire, and Oh Me, and brought the Kirkwood brothers themselves on stage. I guess a little bit of background, Me Puppet started in 1980. It's Kurt and Chris Kirkwood. They are out of, I'm not sure if it started in Phoenix or Tempe. I think maybe Tempe is where it started. And they have 15 albums under their name. It's Chris Kirkwood, Kurt Kirkwood, and Derek Bostrom were the three. Bostrom being the drummer, Chris being the bassist, and Kurt being the guitarist vocal. But, of course, Chris has a little bit of vocal work, too. Kurt Kirkwood. Kurt Kirkwood. Yeah, yeah. That's tough, dude. That's tough, man. Yeah, Chris and Kurt Kirkwood. And most recent album that the Meat Puppets have put out came out in, I believe, 2019. That was Dusty Notes, released March of 2019. And on that album is Kurt's son, Elmo Kirkwood, also on guitar, and Ron Stabinski on keyboard. So but other than that, like the, like the core three are back in the band. So, okay, so yeah, so the latest live clips that I've seen on YouTube of them, have, yeah. that's his son, that's Kurt's son. Yeah, that is Elmo, Elmo Kirkwood, which like, Muppet aside, it's a pretty solid name. I know, I like the um, name. I like it better than Kurt, Kurt Kirkwood. Kurt that's, Kirkwood. That's, that's mean, dude. Come on, man, come yeah. on, parents. Yeah, it drops in 84. First of all, like, SST, like, picked them up for their first release. And they stayed with ST through 89 with the album Monsters. I don't know, like, Meat Puppets 2 is, for me, like, I don't mean to get straight into the rating, but, like, for me, it's, like, perfect 
early Meat Puppets. Like, it's a little... Like, the vocals remind me of Daniel Johnston and the band that they talked about in the video that I added were the Holy Modal Rounders, which I don't know if anybody here has heard of the Holy Modal Rounders. Like a folk band from the 60s with the same kind of like dissonant vocals. Pretty cool. Put some of their stuff in the... I put one of their videos in the after party. Cool. But yeah, the vocal stylings are all over the place. They got their start in kind of hardcore punk and... I wanted to back off of that a little bit, and this album is the culmination of backing off of their hardcore punk sound a little and bringing in a lot more like psychedelic rock. Like you can hear some dead in here for sure. Yeah, some more folk. So yeah. So the comparisons to the dead I've read are like interesting to me in that, I don't know, I'm not hearing it as much, I guess. Like a styling, like it's a progression, it's a like tonal choice maybe, I don't know. I think it depends because I think songs like these, like I would be more inclined to like give you a little room on that, but the cow punk maybe not so much. And even songs like these, right? Because there's a couple of instrumentals on here that are like pretty chill and mellow, but they're really short and they're not like, it's not like we're taking like a five minute long like... Sure. Guitar yeah, they're so not noodling guitar solo or anything like that. They're not jammy, but at the same time, like they they like their kind of clean, if a little reverbed, jammy progressions. But again, they're not. Yeah, there's no long songs. I don't think there's any really long songs in the Meat Puppets career. Maybe Up on the Sun, which is the album that came out after this. Yeah. Which is also really high on my list of albums but I felt like this was a better intro point to the band. Yeah, I, look, I really, I, yeah, I have a hard time, like, I just feel there's, I think to me, it seems more like coming out of, I don't know, the Laurel Canyon folky 70s stuff. Uh, it sounds mm -hmm. like to me more than the dead necessarily. Than the dead. But I guess what's cool to me about the sound of this record is, right, so it's not the cramps, right, which is definitely like very, rockabilly inspired and it's and rough recorded rough and recorded like the rough. Cramp. this was yeah. actually recorded pretty well yes yeah, the <laughs> production quality punk, is fantastic for record, a second album punk record yeah. of the 80s this is yeah. like killing it from a production standpoint especially sst have you heard some of those old black flag records yeah uh, yeah yeah they're they sound like crap they're great but they sound like crap there's kusker do was on sst the minutemen were on sst that's true. and that's yeah. like the Minutemen I hear in a lot of this. Yeah. Particularly, I think I'm not here, which is part of the bonus stuff that, that came out later. Weren't we supposed um, to do, what is it, Double Nickels on the Dime? Yeah, I really want to do that still. I just haven't suggested it yet. Okay. If you want to steal it, feel free. Also, uh, yeah, there's so much good stuff that we can cover. Yeah. I, yeah, also Soundgarden joined SST this year. So That's weird. First major Soundgarden release came on. I can't SST. believe SST is still a thing. I in twenty twenty two. Soundgarden? Do they have a new vocalist? What's? Oh, they didn't. Did not this year. Like in nineteen eighty four. Oh, I was like, what? The fuck? Yeah, yeah. Um, I have missed some. Things. Okay, yeah. Oh, wait, no, sorry. I totally misunderstood you too. I thought you were saying that yeah. Soundgarden got became part of SST in twenty twenty two. Modernly. I was like, nah. I was like, Damn, dude, that's weird. A big band or at least a, a well-known band, signing yeah. to any label in 2022. Uh, and yeah. then just the idea that SST would be still around. Are they still around? I assume they're still around just for publishing 
they all um, records they have rights to? Yeah, if, if so, like that. that is the case. But I don't think they're still around. I think someone purchased this tea. Hmm. Let's see. Yeah, I'm just curious. I, I think two thousand. Yeah, what's his name? Gin is it Greg Gin from, from Black, uh, Flag? Black Flag? Yeah. Yeah, he's he started ST, and I think still it still exists, but he's got distrib he's got a distribution deal. Got it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the, nobody's really like signing to SST now. It's really just about putting out the stuff that's in their catalog. Yeah, it's like it's a pretty it's a more eclectic record than I thought it would be, based on the three songs that I knew. Yeah. That I knew, and that's my history with this record. I didn't know anything about the Meat Puppets until that Nirvana Unplugged. Yeah. Know, was it 1994? Yeah. And of course, R.I.P. Kurt, like, he had such good taste, damn it. And it drives me insane because, and you, we just didn't get to see a lot of it. And the places we did get to see it were like interviews where he would name mm -hmm. drop every once in a while. But then on Unplugged, he did this, he did the three Meat Puppets covers. He did a cover of a song by the Vaselines, which is like an indie pop, like indie pop group from Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> like super, super obscure. No one knew who they were. Let me think here. What other covers did he do? There's another cover uh, I'm forgetting. And then he had the Kirkwood Brothers on for the Unplugged performance. And so I, he gave the. I think he gave them a second life. They like certain. So the album, this album was rated really well by LA Times and people like that when it came out in 84. Okay. Like the mechanism for distributing it in 84 was very different and they had some renown. The album after this, they had a lot of international renown, but still not a lot of radio time, if any. And then, yeah, the album after Unplugged in New York, which was Too High to Die, that got a lot of recognition. In fact, was that where, so like, again, in the after party, I've got, I've got Backwater. Does anyone remember Backwater? Yeah, the song I do. Backwater? I do. I remember the video on, I remember watching the video on MTV at some point. I was like, very surprised to learn because I was playing this album in Spotify and then after it was over, it just threw on Backwater and I was like, what? And then I was like, wait, these are the same people? Uh, oh, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. They sound completely different. <laughs> so, so Backwater is on Too High to Die. And that came out in January of 94. So I guess about the time or a few months before Unplugged dropped. But yeah, Unplugged and Backwater really got them more recognition they also had the fire too high to die they were the they added as a hidden did, track they redid it yeah it's a lot it's a little heavier and i've got a performance of that from the john stewart show in the after party cool which is pretty great those, a lot grungier those three songs like those three songs are still on my they're on my cut all mm -hmm. three of them i don't think they're necessarily the three best songs but there are three really interesting songs. And like, I can see why Kurt gravitated towards those. Especially like lyrically, actually. I think more than anything. Because they've all three of them got this kind of really dingy, folky, depressed sound, right? Yeah. But Lake of Fire is, I read somewhere, I read some article 
and it was like describing it as like a two-minute epic. If you could reduce an epic song <laughs> into like what a, a few minutes, because it is, it's it's about the battle for souls, basically. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I, like, I think of the three, like Plateau delivers pretty consistently for me. Oh me, or is probably my favorite, but contains the least lyrically. Yeah, I like that whole. I can't see the end of me. Yeah, yeah. There's something I cannot see. There's some depth to that. I really, I really enjoy. I formulate infinity and store it deep inside of me. Yeah, it's fucking weird. (laughs) It's very weird. I kind of love it. Yeah, no. feel like it's a good rec- like recognition of the fact, like Thomas said earlier, like in my head, I'm still, I haven't changed much. Yeah. I can't, I can't see the end of me. I just formulate infinity deep inside of me. Like, yeah, I just feel like I, like that version of me that I always think I am goes on forever. And luckily I can't see like when that ends. I don't know, I love that kind of depth to that song. I like it. The lyrics of Plateau, I think are, tremendous and i remember listening yeah. to unplugged and just because that song's lyrics don't really fit in with like kurt's normal lyrics yeah it's a lot wordier and i think a lot more sort of poetic and descriptive specifically descriptive but, and the chorus is like so weird right like <laughs> first, that first line nothing on the top but a bucket and a mop there's like a bounciness to that yeah and then the whole illustrated book about birds and birds takes that weird like atonal twist at the end it's so much fun i was also dwelling on this line who needs action when you've got words yeah that's like the anthem for 2022 yeah (laughs) it's like the anthem for the last 20 years probably i think you're right like hearing for me like i was a big nirvana fan and at the time of Unplugged coming out. And the songs that resonated with me the most were like these three and the Vaseline's track. All of those just seemed so like different and interesting. And it was great to see an acoustic version of everything else, but those were like, what is this? Exactly. I I think, well, it wasn't then, but like probably a few years later, I like, was listening to Unplugged and started digging into what are who what are these songs, where do they come from, and what else does that band have to offer? So the other two covers he did oh, yeah, cover The Man Who Sold the World by David Bowie. Forgot about that. Which is really cool. And then he did probably I think maybe my favorite of all the covers is Where Did You Sleep Last Night? Just like yeah. stuff based off of the Lead Belly version. Yeah, but, um, those are those. Th- yeah, those are amazing. <laughs> yeah, Man Who Sold the World is fantastic. For sure. It definitely was instrumental in me like getting a different appreciation for Bowie at Team. What great taste. Yeah, and I forget what I was looking at the other day, but there was a picture of Kurt Cobain in a Daniel Johnston shirt, which like, I never got heavy into Daniel Johnston, but Cobain's absolutely the only reason I knew who Daniel Johnston was in the mid to late 90s. Yeah, I often think about, or not often, I guess, but it has occurred to me, like, what would I do with fame in terms of if there was a camera on me a whole bunch more than there is now, which is almost none. 
And like I've thought about, yeah, like it would be cool to share all my weird fucking interests with the world to just give them yeah. a little bit more spotlight. All right, so like in that line, like I think most of the punk stuff that I listened to came from friends who listen to punk like Toma or Doug yeah. that were like turning me on to stuff or the stuff that I was into the people that were in the band had like a shirt on of another band and I got curious that was certainly how I found bands like I had gotten Crowbar was because like early Pantera videos you'd see Phil Anselmo in the Crowbar shirt and it was like what is this Crowbar you speak of? <laughs> I think I remember seeing like some Metallica video or like a live performance or something where one of them was wearing a Misfits shirt and I think that was the first time I'd ever heard yeah. or seen of the Misfits. Yeah, it's that makes just, sense. It's just so weird to think about like now versus then in terms of how you learned about this stuff. Yeah. Right? Also, it was so much harder like when you saw like a recommendation like that where we were it was so damn hard to get the thing i love it's just like now i can just instantly internet it up and then it was just like a whole ordeal you had to wait till you went to a bigger city yeah i mean i have the same time mixed feelings i have mixed feelings i think ryan you're about to kind of say what i'm wanting to say no i I don't think i am okay go ahead (laughs) it's gonna contradict like the weird things i did get a hold of in in a place that like i didn't have any business finding it like do you remember, do either of you remember the Ben Franklin in Petersburg? Yes. Yeah. Of course. Spent a lot okay. of time there when I was eight or nine. They used to have comics, they used to have comics there and then they stopped carrying comics and yeah. it was a tragedy. Toma, I guarantee you, like at that time, you and I probably passed each other in that store because that was like yeah. walking distance for me. My mom used to, when she first started doing like mail carrying stuff, she was actually in Petersburg for know. the first five, ten years. And like yeah, in the summertime when we weren't in right school. Yeah. yeah, like when we weren't in school, we would just go to Petersburg and hang out at the park and hang out at the Ben Franklin for four hours because like what else was there to do? Right. <laughs> so, so I. I have memories of the albums I bought at the Ben Franklin. And I don't know why, but recently I like decided I would let myself like get interested in the red hot chili peppers again and i pulled up blood sugar sex magic for the first time in probably 15 years and i remember owning that album about the time it came out like 91 92 and i bought it on cassette tape at the ben franklin in petersburg from someone who definitely shouldn't have sold an 11 year old that album but I remember that and like Soundgarden albums coming from there and Melvin's. I remember Houdini was there and I bought the Melvin's Houdini at the like Ben Franklin. It's so and bizarre. Peter. And I feel like it's like a quirk of distribution, right? Yeah, for sure. Like it's just like Ben Franklin had some sort of de- some sort of distribution deal with somebody that brought in weird records for some reason. And someone was willing to say, we really should have more than just Alan Jackson albums. <laughs> albums here. We should really expand, like, at least let them send us things. Wait, and I don't know if they used, had an agency in choosing what those albums were, but... Wait, but yeah, I, it, I, like, I bought so many early, like, Pearl Jam 10. I, it's just, here I was, like, 10, 11 years old. I didn't have any, I didn't go anywhere else. Maybe I went to the mall occasionally so, with so, my parents so but i wasn't wandering around the mall by myself whereas in petersburg it was like 
I'm in town. I gotta figure out something. My parents, only, grandparents just let me roam. That was the only place to buy records or buy CDs or uh, anything. I don't remember another uh, place. So there was a place in Moorfield. Okay, yeah. No, I was saying in but, Petersburg. But yeah, in Petersburg, I don't like. I think there was like a record shop of some sort. Sure. Like when I was very young, I remember a couple things: a pet store and potentially a record store wow. of some sort. It was short-lived. <laughs> it's a tough yeah, the record store in Petersburg. I think somebody like. One of the few people in town like cared enough about music to say, "Oh, let's see if we can make this work." Turns out they could not. <laughs> and I remember an early like comic book shop, like an actual comic book shop that was open. Oh, yeah, I think, and I vaguely recall that being a thing because John and his friends were real interested in that for a Oh man, time. that would have been and amazing. I, and, and it may have been like it may have been more a trading card. Like hobby oh, store. I remember was there was carrying a, comics. There was a okay, so there was a on on Main Street. Okay? Yeah, just, just was, a little bit down the street from Virginia Avenue. Yeah, that's right. On Main Street, there was a baseball card store. It was just when when I first moved there. It was just baseball cards though, and then eventually yeah. it starts also selling like superhero cards and other stuff. But it was just cards at that time. I think there was a window where they had a comic shop. I like so, yeah, that's so weird. Like Jenny, I have I do have some mixed feelings about what you mentioned and just in terms of okay, do I prefer now where you can just like at the drop of a hat uh, type something on your keyboard and all of a sudden or on your phone and all of a sudden you're listening to basically just about anything? No, I definitely that's better. <laughs> like that's way yeah. better. I think I'd be stuck listening to the same stuff. I, we find interesting movies and music with comparatively little effort. Um, yes. Now it's a hundred percent how you use it, right? If you just let it smack you in the face with "for is available," it'll. It's the same thing as like terrestrial radio in like the '90s, right? It's just gonna be like some boring ass like poppy <laughs> bullshit that gets dumped on you but also like now you can just like three clicks in be it a really obscure band or one click in be it an obscure band I mean, that just was not available so I, i'm with you i okay, so now it's better but we I do, need to use it smarter i do prefer now that said um i do remember discovering weird things back then and it was so special when you discovered them. So the example I think of sometimes is, it's not necessarily music, although there were examples of that, but with the video store next to your house in Moorfield, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like we would go there and rent movies. Video, was it Video Impressions? No, Video Impressions was the other video store. Video Magic, I think. Was it? It was, Video Impressions was the other video store in Petersburg. There were two. There was Video Country that was close to my house. And Video Impressions. And video Impressions. In Moorfield, there was the place that was down near Fraley's. I knew, I knew people. It was home, home, home Theater Video, Yes. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then, then the uh, one by your house, I'm pretty sure, was uh, video, video Magic. Magic? Yeah, Maybe? that may be right. It, changed, it might have changed hands. It, I think it changed a couple times. It, it was always, it, I do remember it changing while I was there. And the selection didn't change, but like the way that things were arranged in the store changed. <laughs> like someone bought it, changed the name, 
bought all their VHS tapes or D, yeah, VHS tapes at the time, and yeah. then rearranged the store and opened it back up with a new sign. I mean, I understand that, but and I don't remember a name for the store. I think we just it was. Just and also, I think most of them, or at least half of them, were also tanning salons because <laughs> naturally. Yeah, that was definitely a thing for a while. Jenny, you're yeah. totally right. There was a tanning bed in Video Impressions. By the way, uh, yeah, which, in the back. Yeah, yeah, in the back, which is hilarious. That's so funny. Which I, I mean, I I obviously never did. Obviously, I was whiter than a sheep. But like Jill, <laughs> I remember one time she was like, "Oh, I'm at the video store," and she was had been like there for like, an hour, and I'm like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Yeah. She's tanning, and I'm like, "At the video store, <laughs> as one does." Yeah, yeah. As, as one absolutely does in in there. This is like yeah, so, so I, funny. This is the oral history of when like, in Rome, guys. When yeah. in Rome, the oral history of me, video audio video options in like Petersburg and Warfield. <laughs> yeah, but and there are a couple things that I really loved about the that like home theater video, especially like the one at the end of the driveway was great, but it was so convenient that. But dude, we found some know. amazing things there just yeah. randomly. Like the, what? what I was gonna say is when we found Martin, which yeah, is which... a George Romero vampire movie that I didn't know any that George Romero had done movies that weren't zombie movies, and we just rented it on a complete just okay, fuck it, whatever. I think the video store clerk said that no one had ever rented that tape, if I'm not mistaken. Well, and one of our friends, Tyson, was working there when I graduated high school. Do you remember Tyson Hours, Toma? Yeah. Yeah, so Tyson was there when we graduated. He had the and... distinction of being the first person I knew who bought a PT Cruiser, and I was like, why would you ever yeah. do that yourself? But also fine. Yeah, that was a weird choice, but... When I, because I w we were the only ones that really checked out Martin with any, like, ever, when I graduated and was going away to college, his, like, graduation present to me was Martin. Like, like you could have it. <laughs> like, you're going somewhere else. This should come with you because no one else is. It was such, such a discovery. I remember we, I think we, I don't know, I saw it at one of your friends' house. I can't remember who, I can't remember if it was. Where Maybe it was at the Jordan. Like it Jordan, could have been at Jordan Kratz. It could have yeah. been. Anyway, we went over and we watched this thing, and it was so fucking intense and good and crazy. Yeah. And I was just blown away. And it's those moments in 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 the present day are like few and far between because like movies and music and all these things are so freaking disposable. Yeah, um, I think it was actually Patrick's because we would hang out in Pat's basement. And shout out, shout out to, movies. shout out to Pat Pratt, and I hope you're out of whatever uh, legal issues you're in, and I hope you've moved yeah, on yeah. from all Keep that. Keep your nose, but Keep anyway, your nose clean. Yeah, yeah, please. But yeah, music is and movies are so disposable these days that like it's yeah. like it's really rare when I'm blown away and surprised like that. No, that's that's. I think I end up watching more movies because of events happening, like last drive-in episodes or whatever which last night was their halloween stuff and what did they show they showed elvira's haunted hills because they had cassandra peterson as a guest okay. and then they showed popcorn 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 not familiar filmed in jamaica takes place in a movie theater kind of a slasher thing cool. it's cool it's fun it's a lot of fun it was like 91 when it came out yeah. Well, it was filmed in Jamaica. It takes place in 
wherever. Yeah. But anyway, I guess all that to say thank you to thank you to Kurt Cobain for being one of those resources of discovery. Um, yeah, and I think that's good, the, a good use of fame, right? Hell yeah. Like, here's these weird things that maybe you don't know about. You should check out. Okay. So yeah. We can go through our cut. We can go through our cuts. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. So yeah, Alonzo, you had talked about Omi Plateau and Lake of Fire. Yeah. This list confirms that. Uh, Lost. Let's talk about Lost because that yeah. I struggled with whether or not to include that because I enjoy it. Yeah. But that's like the whole fucking album for me, so I didn't include it. So <laughs> talk about Lost. Yeah. So it's a little bit more of the whatever you want to call it, cow punk or whatever. I just like the lyrics. I like the lyrics, and it's a road song. Yeah. I've been collecting road songs for quite a while. Like, just songs about being on the road, going on the road, king of the road, on the road again, all that. There is something. There's country roads. There's something romantic about. There's something romantic about going on a trip and. Road to nowhere. Yeah. Highway to hell, etc. Sure. There's something romantic about a song celebrating. Getting, get, going on the road and getting the fuck away, and so it's on my it's on my road song collection. Nice. And I think it's a good I, it's like a good mix of the cowpunk stuff and the like dirgy dissonant folky sound because it's not yeah. like super fuzzed out or it's not that fast either. But there are two things that it does that are very punky, and that's that every verse speeds up within the verse and then the next verse speeds up off the last verse and in lieu of guitar there's a guitar solo but it's very squealy and you get these little fills in between that are like muted strings played above the like nut or the brit no not i'm pretty sure it's the nut um but yeah it's like these like squealy little parts that fit in and bring that punk to it but yeah, that it's a road song. If it was in Smokey and the Bandit, no one would blink. Eastbound Down, that's also on my, my road yeah. songs playlist. But there's a couple of interesting lyrics in this one, too. I've grown tired of living Nixon's mess. Yeah. I, always, yeah. I, I really, like, that one just stuck out so much, and I was, like, so intrigued. I was like, which one? There are so many. <laughs> are, are we talking about all of them? Is it just generally? Is it, like, a particular one? I guess if it's like a prominent thing you're still experiencing in the early 80s, that like Arizona makes sense as far as where that would be I happening. Mean, there was a big recession at the late yeah. 70s and early 80s. That was a real thing. Yeah. And all these like, a lot of that... jobs like disappeared and like it's just, it was a rough time for a lot of people. But Carter gets the blame for a lot of that, like at least publicly. I don't know that actually Carter was to blame. I haven't looked that deeply into I think, it. Okay, but, like, so... Carter rides a lot of that like gas, gas gas shortage the gas shortage happened during i think the nixon administration but um i think the okay let's make a list of things we can definitely blame nixon for just to get at the heart mm, of right it's like i'm been, i, I feel like this, this is a game okay I'm also feel like the truth like a, a lot of that is a misnomer because in fairness most of the things are attributable to more than one person sure now granted some of those things a subset of them are very much attributable to him. Right. Well, maybe it's a component of the attitude of the song in that Mm. it feels like a truck driving ass song. And like, I'm sure it's not as, no one's going around complaining about Nixon in 84. So (laughs) maybe it's, maybe he's fallen into that truck driver character. Like it's the truck, 
It's the truck driver of the early 70s. It is Smokey and the Band. Okay, so, okay. I think in the sort of popular story, right, like, beginning of Nixon was the beginning of the end of the 60s, and the idealism... Yeah, that was the, the, hippie. The, the wave breaking in Fear and Loathing, right? Yeah, exactly. And so, like, I think also, like, when you talk about Gen X, right, and not to get too much into this discourse of generations, which I find, like, fucking drivel most of the time. Like, it's a lot of people that grew up with, like, hippies for parents that oftentimes just decided that, like the way they were raised, which was probably like in a real hard-ass way, like just wasn't appropriate anymore. Or a lot of people just checked out of being parents. And I think there's a lot of people that kind of, <laughs> I feel like, and then again, this is like speculative, but I feel like there's a lot of the sort of sarcasm and hardness and like active fuck you hostility type stuff might come out of that. And all that might, you could maybe say was Nixon's mess, even though it was like everyone's mess, really. Yeah, I don't know. There's the open rebellion involved in that is actually probably one of the redeeming factors of American society over the next 30 years. Like the complaints that that begat, right? Yeah. According to Genius, uh, according to Genius, Genius, unlike many punk bands, poets actually lived through Nixon's presidency and the resulting economic and military shifts. That's true. How to say it was a rough time. Yeah, yeah like the seventies. Listen, it, I don't want. Yeah. I really do not want to defend Nixon, but I do think it's only fair to point out that he did create the EPA, and so there were actually some improvements. Hey, man, he started diplomatic relations with China, which was like a big yeah. fucking deal. Right? I, 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 yeah. I'm not a fan of the guy. I want to make sure. that very clear. I'm hey. not defending him. I'm not a fan of him, but I do think that there is at least something to be said for the fact that for the first time in a very long time. That there were some limits on like, the rampant pollution. That was yeah, the, there's no doubt. And also, I would like to. So, I would yeah. also like to point out that salt. So the the basically the agreement to stop nuclear testing between Soviet Union and the United States happened during the Nixon presidency. There's, it's yeah. the legacy yeah. of Nixon is not a monolith, right? Yeah, um, I guess yeah. what I'm trying to say is that I guess as someone who's just lived through the Trump years, I'm just <laughs> cry me a river, man. <laughs> <laughs> The Nixon politics to me were more like, at the end of the day, more destructive because he basically built a new coalition between. He built a racist coalition. I think you could really make the argument, right? Like, oh, sure. And yeah. like, and it's a tone for like, what modern political alignments look like now. All right, all right, all right. Look, as much as I love taking Nixon down in 2022, <laughs> really taking down. <laughs> What I'm trying to say is I've grown tired of talking Nixon's face. Okay, so, I don't know. Rob, if you're <laughs> listening, Rob, I think Rob, did Rob live through some, I think he did live through some small part of the Nixon administration. I mean, very, like, very young Rob was there for that. <laughs> the These guys bar... were born in 59. They were like 10 or what. Yeah. I just think that like the bar for what constitutes a presidential mess has shifted. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> sure, in sure, hindsight. Sure. But you can't, but you can't judge in hindsight based off That's of where true. the bar stands That's now. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. And also, we have, we have, yeah, we have a consecutive series of presidents where there's a lot of mess. But sure, um, no, pick one without a mess in the last <laughs> sixty years. Any one yeah. of them. Joe, um, Joe Byron. Uh, all right, yeah. But anyway, yeah. Shout out to so the Trillbilly Trill podcast on that one. Oh yeah, Joe Byron. <laughs> 
That's a good brand. Those, those guys have actually got me like making the Joe Brandon joke in my head. <laughs> you know that they're from Chris or Chris and I know. Oh them. no, I know that podcast only because you guys know. That's that. hilarious. Because when we were visiting. You or Chris brought it up, and mm. that's been on my playlist in hardcore ever since. Oh, dude, you know them? That's really cool. I randomly discovered them. That's so good. Yeah, they're out of Whitesburg, which is where we lived for a summer. I lived there for a summer. Chris lived there for longer than so, that. Yeah, they're, yeah out of that, they're out of that town with the mayor. Actually, yeah. I, 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 they're, they're I worked with Terrence, now, actually. Right? Ter Terrence literally worked in the same office I worked in. That's so funny. I was nice. like, oh, we lived in the same place. I was like, no, actually, like, he worked there. It, I, they, like that podcast is fantastic. So yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's great. Out. Yeah, shout out. Sure. big shout out. All right, Toma. So let's talk about one of the songs in your cut. Let's talk about teenagers because okay. someone needs to talk about how fucking fun that song is. Yeah, with the caveat that like I skipped the beginning, but the rest of it is absolutely phenomenal. I abs. It was one of those ones that I was like. Oh, this is uh, okay. Like at, randomly at the end of the album, we're gonna go like real punk, and then I was like, okay. And just when I got a little bit, a little bit tired of the song, that part of it, anyway, <laughs> it then morphs into something I actually really enjoy. Yeah, yeah. I think the punk stuff at the beginning of it is a lot of fun. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. But, but as but, like a yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the thing. It's like that hardcore punk. That hardcore speed punk was not meant to be song like it's a yeah. I'm smack you in the face and this is not this is not cowpunk this is you guys ever did you watch the watchman or the hbo series yes yeah and did you ever listen to the soundtrack no no there's oh man what a great what a i actually got it and would play it like when i was driving because i just loved it that much and there's nice. one called there's one called cattle battle <laughs> like the like the names that trent reznor has given them are very funny but it's like the scene, it's playing in the scene where they're like, you know, shooting and some cows get shot, I think, or whatever. Um, and so I was like trying to think, I was like, what's beyond cowpunk? And then immediately cattle battle popped into my head. And I was like, I don't, maybe not. <laughs> That's cool. I yeah. didn't even, I need to oh, dig into Reznor's like soundtrack work. I really, really haven't done it. You know, this, it's funny, this song, and there's several others on here. But I'm a, obviously I'm a big Kurt Vile fan. And I feel like there's a kind of a more now that I listen to this I feel like there's a lot of stuff that sounds a lot like Kurt Vile and this is one of those songs where I feel like it, it could fit somewhere in his discography and I, I put a Kurt Vile song on the after party nice. um, also this part more so than any other song this has like maybe like a late 60s 70s rock feel to it that like just takes me further back in time than anything else on this album does. This one feels a little yeah. Neil Youngish too. A little, yeah. like, would give it a little like a yeah. whatever Zuma era. Um, yeah. What's it? What's the song I'm thinking of? Cortez the Killer. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Has some vibes like that. Although Cortez the Killer is like an epic, song, like seven minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but the sound is there. Uh, yeah, that's a good point that this one brings a lot more like classic rock to the party than some of the issues for sure. I'm actually curious about, so I didn't include any of the instrumentals, and maybe, maybe I should have, because I really did like that song, Aurora Borealis. Oh yeah, it was really nice. I you and I were talking last week, Alonzo, yeah. about Magic Toy. Yeah, I really like Magic Toy also, but I, I thought to myself, like, I want to get a cut that's like kind of representative 
of, I guess I think the lyrics are a strong point of this record. And unlike yeah. basically any punk record I've ever heard, maybe short of the Dead Kennedys. It's like between them and the Dead Kennedys were like interesting, really interesting lyrics, really well thought out lyrics. I feel like the Minutemen had some solid lyrics, but maybe that's just time I need to spend with that. <laughs> I just think this, these lyrics are poetic in a way that yeah. like, in a way that I think most punk lyrics seem like more kind of raw emotion and less, if that makes any sense. So there's a couple of observations I made this time through this album that I hadn't made before. One is the connection to the instrumentals and bands like the Mermen, which I don't know your Toma, do you know the Mermen? They're like an instrumental Southwest surf Band. Oh, nice. Maybe those are the sort of people song. that I would recognize if I heard it, but... Maybe. Songs for the Cows is probably, like, the perfect Merman album. And also, the Grassy Sound stuff that came out the other year is in the that vein as well. Like, a lot of the... And I feel like, for me, whether it's accurate to say it's like the dead or not, like the instrumental tracks have that kind of jammy, laid back, dead feel. Even though they're not 20 minutes long, they're like sitting in a grass at a concert, smoking a joint. This, this song reminds me more of Terry Reed, of that Terry Reed song, The Seed of Memory. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I can hear that in the melody mm -hmm. for sure. Like, yeah, especially yeah. that bass, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which to me, it's okay. So it's like, for me, I know the dead. I've listened to them. My, my dad had like tapes and whatever. It just, I don't know. I feel like people are saying it sounds like the dead don't know the dead. Or like Maybe the they're, dead. They're just like, they're just like, oh yeah, they went acoustic. So they're just like the dead or whatever. Yeah, certainly I've spent enough time trying to figure out why I don't like the dead. <laughs> uh, to say that I know the dead. Yeah. And also... It's not the acoustic stuff that does it for me. And maybe The Dead's a bad comparison. Maybe there's a better comparison in bands like Fish or Salmon or like that era of jamminess. Listening to that sound off of these guys makes me think of the All Good Festival. It just, there's something about a summertime grassy lawn listening to some band trip out on a 20 minute guitar solo. That yeah. sound is there, even <laughs> though the time is not there. So yeah, I love the range of this album. Like, I feel like this is their only album that pulls that full range. And I feel like things get closer to this sound the further on. I would say like the album after this, Up on the Sun, is like a great source of that kind of jammy sound. And I've got a couple, I've also got a little bit of that in the, the after party. Nice. There's a lot of after party. The after party got stacked and I'm glad. It's all good. Most of the songs are pretty short. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, so for me, all right, so like on my cut, the other, the other style that I didn't expect to find and found this time is on We're Here, which didn't make either of your playlists, but the very opening of that is very Deer Hunter. Like this to me is like Deer Hunter Atlas, or not Atlas Sound, but guitarist band, Lock and Plundit's band. Oh, Lotus Plaza? Lotus Plaza. There's something about that like tone and oh. key of the guitar and the opening of this that made me think of Lotus Plaza. 
Huh, yeah, I didn't make that connection. I thought the song sounded a little bit like, maybe like a folky kind of Joy Division deal. I can hear that. But I hadn't made that connection. I think... I don't know that I would say... I, I don't know if the guitars would have reminded me of Lotus Plaza, but I think maybe the voice does a little bit more so than I, the music. I feel like the effect they have on the guitar and that, like, straight beat on the drum kit mm. and kind of the dreaminess of it that's like underlying all of it is it just made me think of Lotus Plaza when I was listening to it this playthrough and that's I've listened to it a lot and never thought that before it may just be a couple notes that hit my ear and triggered that thought yeah but like for me I feel like there's a big gap in style across this whole album and it, as far as the me puppets albums go it's probably the only one i've really spent time with that does that so perfectly teenagers being a necessary part of that spectrum because of where they started they start on the hardcore side to have a little bit of that worked into a different track on here is pleasant transition album almost yeah this is really weird this song is cool this, there's no doubt it's weird it has it's a weird, very different. It has a From 1984, sound. it's very different. Like, spacier who else sound. is who else is doing stuff that sounds this? Like maybe Pink Floyd, right? Like maybe this is in that spacey range. Yeah, but it just seems so weird. It's so yeah, it's a really unique piece, and that's another piece of why I love this album so much. Is there's a lot of really cool stuff that's happening in 1984 on this album. It really it doesn't eclectic. catch on anywhere for another 10. Maybe even 15 years. That's really an eclectic, a really eclectic record. Okay, I like this song. I think I put this on my cut. Mm -hmm. I think I did too. It felt one of the more country songs. <laughs> it's just pretty straightforward country song, and I don't know, there's something charming about that to me. Yeah. I'm with you. I also like the, there's a few, what's the line about, I know something about it's not going to rhyme. I don't know where it comes in. Their verses oh. are so short and simple that it's... I think that's in a different song. That's in a different song. Yeah. Is this it? is Phone Calls Don't Cost a Dime. <laughs> There's some weirdness here, though. Time, time, it's so sublime. They say it's non-existent, but it's playing with my mind. No, it's on the... It's at the beginning of this song, is what I was thinking. Uh, oh, oh, okay. Come yeah, on, yeah. I, I know this doesn't rhyme, but the clutter on the table is getting out of hand. But it, but does. hand does rhyme with sand and climb and rhyme rhyme. So there is like a rhyme scheme there. <laughs> I think you could argue that it doesn't exactly rhyme, but it's pretty damn close. It's good enough for rock and roll. Close enough for me to say. <laughs> if you like, want to go climb, but whatever. But no one does. No one says it. <laughs> I mean, you could say that no one says, you know what but we know that's not true uh, yeah i guess so. yeah. i think i see where you're going next. yeah so yeah well, do you want to go over some like rating is there anything else you guys uh, i do want to mention new gods because i oh yeah that was one that call. i picked that was one that i picked that neither of you get made neither of you guys' playlist i was struggling between like bringing in new gods and teenagers so i'm just glad you both brought up the tracks that I wasn't sure I wanted to include or not. I wanted to include a more punky, like more of an insane song um, for this. And 
I just liked it a little bit better. <laughs> like it's it, a little more chaotic and a little more kind of like fun. I think it's a little it's a little more Minutemen. It's a little different style of Minutemen, but it's a little bit more of the Minutemen like sound. I feel like and the way that the vocals don't exactly follow the time of the song is fun. I just th- these lyrics are just like cr- uh, like. In a restaurant in Mexico, they told me not to drink the water, not to touch the food. All we got is Pepsi-Cola. <laughs> There's just some weirdness and some craziness that, again, I appreciate. It's almost This one almost sounds like stream of consciousness. Like It's like literally a conversation. <laughs> like it's, a, it's like him telling the story and then a quote. Yeah. And they're, <laughs> yeah, they're like equal in length, and that's the entirety of the song. It's yeah, a, and then instead of writing any different verse, it's just like telling the same story twice. Yeah, yeah. It's a, I, I think more than anything, I, I wanted to include like a more, more chaotic, because there are a couple of songs on here that are pretty chaotic, and I thought that one was a little bit more. But yeah, that's about it. And we can rate it. And I'm happy to get going unless someone wants to sure. bring up something. Yeah, else. go for it. Yeah, I didn't really know this band much at all. I think. Sometimes I'll throw on like a random, like the player that I use to play music has like a way that you can like set a mood or like basically choose a mood and then it'll just spit out random things. And a couple of times Meat Puppet songs have come up just in terms of whatever it might be. I feel like sometimes it's like more, what's the mood that I feel like I get Meat Puppets on more? Somber, I think. But... So this is the first time I really had the chance to like spend a good amount of time with one of their records. And so I remember listening to the three songs because after Unplugged came out and when I had the chance to like listen to some of this music or had access to music more e- easily. Yeah, I remember listening to the songs to, to the original versions that Nirvana covered of the three songs. And I remember at the time, I don't think I was ready because I just remember thinking like, this guy can't sing. And I like the Nirvana versions better. And I actually still contend that this guy can't really sing. He's got an interesting voice. It's He's a little bit like, a, he reminds me of a Towns Van Zandt. Where it's like, Towns Van Zandt has like a bunch of amazing songs. And you can't imagine them being sung by other people necessarily. <coughs> Excuse me. But Good like, night. on paper, his voice sucks. It's broken and he's an alcoholic. And I'm not, I'm saying that about Towns. Towns. The Kirkwood Brothers. I don't know. I have no idea. Chris has a history. (laughs) So I think for me, like, just being able to listen to it at this time, appreciate the weirdness of his voice. And then I think you're right. It seems like this album was like the starting point for a lot of types of music that I like or a lot of interesting music that I've enjoyed. And, And like, I've got another road song. So for me, like, I guess mission accomplished on a personal level. Uh, (laughs) Uh, And I think for me, Oh Me is like a classic song. Like that, to me, like that's just a, that's like a timeless one. And the way it kind of chugs along and is sort of somber and man. And it was really cool to get a chance to spend a little more time with those three songs especially. So yeah, four stars. Emma? Actually, I think I mentioned this last time too, that of the three, 
like Lake of Fire and OE pretty much sound, give or take, exactly the same as they do on Unplugged. There's no, there's no huge variation. But Plateau, though, I actually really like this version better. And the reason for that is because there's a lot of complexity to this version that that gets, I guess probably purposely just abandoned for unplu the unplugged version. And by that I mean, I had only ever heard Plateau being like a couple notes per bar or per phrase, and like, when you listen to that on here, actually, Alonzo, if you can skip to it, it, you can hear that there's like three, four times the notes going on in the background, which is a very cool complexity that I just thought was more interesting, maybe? There's, you can hear how many notes are going on there in the background. It's very cool. Or at least I can. There's a lot more happening than just the simplicity of what I hear when I listen to the Unplugged version. So that is very cool. That was a cool surprise that I like. I, I really want to know what happened between this album and Backwater. <laughs> if it's the same singer, because apparently he could sing the whole time, but just well, chose not to, which I think is an interesting choice. I think, so I think for songs like Plateau, I think Chris may be singing lead. Uh, and then for Backwater for certain, it's Kurt singing the lead. But I think that the weirder voice, the weirder, more detuned voice is Chris. Wow. I was like, how dare you gaslight me like that? And I was just like, oh, buddy, you're trying your best. And then it was like, wait a minute, you could right. do it all along. Who is, uh, this, who is this gentleman singing backwater? Here's the thing. <laughs> yeah. Who is this distinguished gentleman? Here's the thing. <laughs> I listened to some of their, like some live, more recent live stuff. They look, first off, they look rough and ancient. These yeah. guys look like they're 80 years old. I don't know how old they are, but they look really fucking old. They were born in 59, so they're like mid-60s. Yeah, no, they look rock star. The rock stars have toured for 40 years, 50 years yeah. type deal. Chris especially, like, but Chris, again, Chris had the harder life. He was like, a, he had an addiction issue. He did some federal time for assaulting like a security guard with a baton. Like Chris saw some shit. Yeah. Kurt doesn't look as haggard, but they both have. Yeah, they've the last few years have been well, all, all and, hard and, on. And I was gonna say the singing has not improved in those performances. It's but it's a different kind of band. It's a it's, different. It's very different. It's really rough. It's really rough. It's fine because it works, but it's like really rough and i wonder if what you heard on backwater was just like more slick production more big bigger studio budget and the chance to do it like a bunch more times just oh go ahead i was just gonna say that the cleaner part that is backwater i think there's some parallel to draw to the screaming trees catalog where mark lanigan's voice was a lot cleaner and more produced early on and I think that's a time frame thing, right? Like late 80s, early 90s became more about this like pristine studio sound and not really like allowing a unique singer to focus on their particular eccentricities. Like it's not on key most of the time, but I think when they started hitting major labels in the mid 90s, rocks, rock music labels being what they were at the time, they were probably encouraged to clean it up. 
a lot. Yeah. Therefore, backwater is very different. And I think if you listen to Kurt Cobain's performance of these songs on Unplugged, like, they're definitely very, the vocal performance. First off, again, like, how great of a vocalist was he? Like, how great of a singer was he for that stuff? I think a lot of people always complain that he mumbled and stuff, but god damn, man, he could just really rip and hit some notes. And, but they're a lot more rounded out <laughs> and on key. Yeah. And, and, and in some ways you wonder if they had a singer that wasn't quite as unique, maybe they would have never made, gotten Kurt's attention but maybe they would have had a chance to like hit it. Maybe. I will say Backwater's fine, but like it, th this stuff is a lot more interesting. Right? Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah, maybe Backwater was pretty a pretty big deal. The problem was like no one knew who the Meat Puppets were. And they didn't really have anything else that was that radio friendly at the time. So no one stayed familiar with who they were in terms of that was their only exposure yeah. so anyway jenny sorry yeah. go ahead continue no your that's review. fine i, I was going to take it briefly off in an entirely different direction entire right. entirely which was to just report to you that christopher kirkwood is 62 years old which i know because i was on the bop website like at the beginning of this trying to see if patrick pat was out or not and he is he was released in 2018 hey um, but christopher kirkwood was released in 05 so yeah He's now yeah. 62 years old. He also got sh shot old. twice. He got shot twice yeah. in the stomach during that like scuffle. So I think I, you know, looked, like, he, they looked. The brothers looked like rough. real. At least in the performances that I saw, they looked real rough. Really old. Like they Keith looked, Richards rough. Yeah, you know, rougher. So, so there's. I have the video. One of the videos for a song off the last album, Dusty Notes, and. Yeah, it'll be interesting. The after party, you will get to see the progression of the Kirkwoods. The Jumps all over the place. And I guess the only other thought that I had about the whole thing overall was that Cowpunk is not necessarily up there in my top five genres. It's fine, but it's not like any, it's not my go to. And neither is punk anymore. But what I really surprisingly, pleasantly was surprised by was the instrumentals, which were actually like, for instrumentals, they were pretty damn good. Most of them made my cut. Most of them, if not all of them, made my cut. And I think it was really nice because on those, they tended to do two things. One, there wasn't the vocals, which was the plus. And then the, um, just more, the, it was like more, they felt like they were all more coherent, like Aurora Borealis and some of the others. There's just really like an organization that wasn't always present elsewhere which i appreciated so for sure yes. the math on that one actually came out to almost just over three it was a 3.02 mathematically and i think that's pretty i think that's pretty consistent actually because there are some things on here that are pretty cool and there are some that i could very easily cut and not miss and that's that's fine but it was a nice enjoyable listen overall it was interesting yes. like things like i think that Lake of Fire sounds to me like the kind of song that would be like an old blues song that they covered. 
Yeah. But it actually wasn't. And I thought that was in interesting, too, because on Unplugged, you've got Where'd You Sleep Last Night, which right. is definitely a blues cover. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Lake of Fire really gives me those vibes, too. But it's sure. not, at least not yeah. as far as the internet knows. No, no, but, like, if you listen to it and you, like, imagine it as, like, an old blues song, it totally works. Yeah, I think that's a really good observation. It definitely feels, like, much older than the other stuff on the mm -hmm. album. No. Yeah, that's... Certainly to its credit. And you're right, it's not, it's definitely not a cover. That is an original. And I love the vibe of those three songs as like a mod, I say modern folk, knowing this is almost 40 years ago. But yeah. I should put together a playlist about hell, songs about hell. <laughs> Yes, you could do the Squirrel Nut Zippers. Yeah, yeah finally. Could you could do, could do yeah, Lake of Fire, of course. And then the other one I was thinking about. The other one I was thinking about was, and it's actually on the After Party playlist, but this is Hank Williams' third song, Straight to Hell. Um, yeah. Which, well, there's a bunch. Bad I mean, Out of Hell. Bad Out of Hell. Of course, yeah. I get Highway yeah. to Hell, so let's double it yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> when I was trying to, yeah, we're back around the Highway, highway to, to Hell. hell. Yeah. This podcast is all, full circle. All roads lead to Highway to Hell. All, all, all roads all lead to Hell. All highways lead to Highway to Hell. Yeah. Now we're just eating our own tail. <laughs> Yeah. Ouroboros. Oh, yeah. Wait, speaking of hell, can I just tell you real quick before I totally forget to ever mention it? That according to the internet, Kim Thale actually voiced a Metalocalypse character sometime in 2012. Isn't that wild? That's crazy. I had no idea. I'm going to have to go like watch now. That. I feel like I do remember that. Also, there was that point, there was a Soundgarden video that Brandon, that Brandon like, animated. Also. Oh, he animated it. I didn't know that. It was animated in the style of Metalocalypse. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. Um, it was, I can't remember the name of the album. I, I'm not that familiar with their late catalog, but yeah. Yeah, there's a... That crossover I, happened, for no, sure. Yeah, and another, in a video world we'll show here, which is like this little short film that me and Ryan were involved in, uh, there's some reference to hell, or at least implication of hell. All right, Ryan, so, yeah. well, speaking of which... To speak on the your inclusion of new gods and Chema's inclusion of teenagers, I had to go split myself in two for the little, like, chaotic, more chaotic component. And for me, it's, it's a great intro to the album, and it hooked me every time. Like, one of the experiences I have with this album, especially over the last month or whatever it's been, yeah. um, I've listened to this a lot, and... It's like sometimes listening to it again when I'm not li actively listening to it is, uh, do I want to listen to this thing again? And the moment I turn on Split Myself in Two, it hooks me hard. And for the rest, like, I proceed to listen to it like four times through, like, over the next few hours. Or, yeah. I'll, like, the last few months I've been, or the last month or so I've been at work and when I'm at work and I've got headphones in and I start this, it this album plays like six times through before I get tired of it. It hooks me and keeps me every time. It's less mathematical, but I feel like this is like in that four, four and a half range where it doesn't make me want to listen to it and dissect every piece of it. A good five album would, but yeah. it will hook me at a point where I don't think I, that's what I want to listen to. Like I'll pass through what I have and if I see it it's like do I is that what I want to hear and if I start playing it it reminds me how good this album is like start to finish and how again that like breadth of talent 
that happens across the different songs on this album is it's good it like hooks in a way that it's like listening to a good radio station that varies like sounds and bands but it's all the same stuff all the same guys it's an interesting take to hear their twist of country or their twist of punk or their twist of folk or their twist of like psychedelic rock like it's so much fun and delivers every time so i think this is like a four and a half for me right on excellent so before we do the after party what should we do i was thinking about portishead that'd be fun what do you guys what would you guys think about doing dummy the portishead record Emma, do you have any time spent with dummy nice then we should not that i know of yeah we should definitely do this then i think it's a really good choice i think it'd be a fun one man and it's a nice fall album it is and uh, it's night it's 90s 90s record i guess triple platinum in the uk that's crazy i'm okay yeah all right so then okay next time we will do portishead Gun for living.